Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Joining us now live from Melbourne is BHP CEO Mike Henry. Mike, mm-hmm. thanks so much for joining us mm-hmm. on the back of these results. Um, let's, let's first talk about the, your China outlook. I mean, in recent months, you, you were a little bit more bullish than, than maybe your peers out there about mm-hmm. overall where this economy is going. I think the, the mood and, and I think the tone that you strike this time was a little bit more uncertain, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us how you feel about China now? What did you get wrong? Sorry, certainly, Yvonne. So the, um, and I think it is fair to characterize it as a bit uncertain. Now, I would start by saying that there's actually a number of sectors in China that are going quite well. Uh, that includes green infrastructure, uh, other infrastructure, automobiles, and, and so on. Uh, but the key sector, of course, that everybody's focused on, and which is very relevant to, certainly to our business, is the property sector. Now, in property, we've seen uh, strong completions, completions up 19, 19% year on year. But what's lagging is new starts. Uh, that's been recognized at the central government level. There's obviously policies in place that are meant to stimulate new starts, but they're not translating as effectively into changes on the ground as certainly we were anticipating, and I think some others were anticipating as well. So that's really what we're keeping an eye on over the next uh, three to six months is how effective is that translation of policy into practice. If we do see that starting to take hold, and we think there could be good uh, growth momentum flowing from FY23 in, or calendar year 23 into calendar year 2024, Outside of China, you know, I was in India about a month back. Uh, the energy on the ground there, the optimism is palpable. So we're seeing solid momentum in uh, India. Of course, that's a big market for us for commodities like uh, metallurgical coal and for copper concentrate. So overall, uh, we're seeing uh, India and China uh, comprising about half of world GDP growth in the period ahead. And the other point I would note is long-term fundamentals for this sector and for BHP remain, remain really healthy. Yeah, Mike, we'd like to talk about more about the opportunities there in India because certainly that is a growing market of yours. I just want to pick up, though, on uh, some of the points you're making on China. So, I mean, almost every CEO we speak with is uncertain over the environment there. There's certainly hope, let's put it that way. Uh, I want to ask you about what you're seeing ter- across short-term pricing on, on many of your products in China. What's, what's, what's the outlook on pricing these next six months? So, of course, it's going to depend a little bit on what happens with uh, the overall economy, with uh, demand for commodities like iron ore. There are some rumors about, of uh, potential uh, mandated production cuts in, in steel, but it's not like the industry there is starting mm. with high inventories in iron ore or, or steel. So any cuts that would occur would very quickly start eating into, into those inventories. Now, obviously, if there was lower demand, that has implications for pricing. Uh, but one very important part or point to note is that the marginal cost of production across the commodities that certainly we produce is higher now than it was pre-COVID, naturally, given the inflation that we've seen in the external environment. So we expect that's going to provide a downside cushion on pricing at a higher point than may have been the case previously. In the case of iron ore, we're saying somewhere between $80 and $100 per tonne is likely where the cushion kicks in, given what we've seen on the inflation front. And of course, from a BHP perspective, because we've done a better job in controlling costs than our competitors, we've doubled our lead as the lowest cost uh, major iron ore supplier globally, uh, that higher cushion means that our margins, relative margins, end up being uh, uh, more protected than might be the case for some others. 
Mike, what happens if the China property sector gets worse? What, what does that mean for BHP? Mm. Do you think that there's other markets out there? You mentioned the prospects in India. Are mm. they able to at least come up and, and make up that sort of demand shortfall? It really depends on the commodity in question, Yvonne. Of course, iron ore, uh, China is the game when it comes to iron ore demand globally. There's such a big, uh, they make up such a big proportion of seaborne iron ore. You wouldn't see that being made up in other markets. However, uh, we are seeing blast furnace utilization run rates in China continue at quite strong levels, about 90, uh, 90%. Um, even with the weaker growth that we've seen in the second quarter, steel demand remains strong. And we're expecting that we'll see another fifth year in a row of over a billion tons of steel production in China. There could be a little bit of, of uh, uh, downside, as I said, if, if um, we do see mandated yeah. steel cuts. But even with that, we would expect over a billion tons per annum. So, Mike, how do you, I think what uh, Yvonne's getting at is, you know, is there enough to mitigate what's going on in China is one part of my question. And the second is, it's about your forward-facing commodities now as well as the world evolves. And tell us a little bit about that and the strategy. So the, on, on the first question about is there enough to mitigate, we have to all recognize that we've been through a, a second quarter here of slower growth in China. And notwithstanding the fact that commodity prices are off, it's still been a pretty healthy environment. You look at the earnings that we've generated, in part thanks to the solid underlying operational performance and records at three of our assets, we've just declared the third largest final dividend ever in BHP's uh, history, third largest uh, full year um, uh, ordinary dividend. So the business is con uh, continuing to perform quite strongly in spite of that slightly weaker than anticipated uh, uh, performance in, in, in China. Um, now, the growth in future-facing commodities, we've had a very simple, clear strategy in recent years of improving underlying operational performance, becoming much more reliable, uh, containing costs, uh, having a differentiated approach to social value creation, so value creation for all the stakeholders who support and depend on BHP, and importantly, increasing the leverage in the portfolio towards what we've termed future-facing commodities. So those commodities that stand to benefit greatest from the ongoing megatrends of population growth, urbanization, industrialization, uh, rising living standards, and decarbonization. And these are commodities like uh, copper, nickel, and potash. Uh, we've got a big potash development underway in Canada. That's proceeding to plan. Recently had an acquisition of a company called Oz Minerals. Bringing that into the portfolio opens up a new copper basin for us or an integrated copper basin in South Australia and a number of other efforts. I would finally just note that the iron ore uh, story for us and the metallurgical coal story is that we're focusing both of those portfolios on the quality segments um, and, the, and the kind of the cost position that will allow us to benefit in those commodities from those mega trends as, as well. So we're pretty happy with the direction of the portfolio, certainly happy with our underlying yeah. uh, uh, operational performance. So, Mike, that brings you to talk about the impact of inflation, one part of it. Then, of course, with your debt portfolio, how are rising interest rates eating into, you know, that? And overlying that, how are you also perhaps hedging the currency uh, gyrations that we've been witnessing? Yeah, so I might uh, start in, in reverse order on that one. Uh, as a company, because we're um, exposed to, to uh, commodity prices, of course, and to some extent, we see currency fluctuations reflected in uh, prices for our key commodities. We adopt a starting position of no hedging. We see that as the riskless position for, uh, uh, for BHP. Uh, the question about uh, you know, the impact of inflation, interest rates on debt and so on, we've got a very strong uh, uh, balance sheet. We have seen a, an uptick in, in net debt this period. 
um, but within a very narrow range when compared against some other industries or some other uh, uh, competitors. Um, and then uh, uh, finally, I'm sorry, the, the first question you asked again was, or the first part of that question was? Was essentially in this environment, again, of a higher interest rates and debt servicing, that was, but that was really it. And I think you addressed part of that. Right, yes. Okay, uh, Mike, just quickly, since we talked about, we'll, we'll talk more about sort of individual commodities in a moment, but at the beginning of the interview, you touched on India. If you could clarify for us, I'm just looking at my numbers here. Last year, India was about 8%. Correct me if I'm wrong, of your revenues full year. What is India now with these earnings, and how big do you see India getting as a percentage of your pie, let's say these next five years? Does this become, say, a 20% market Looks for you? Look, I, I think in the next five years, 20% is, is it would be pushing the, the envelope, but we do see it growing o over time, and it's going to be a little bit commodity dependent. So where, what are, you yeah. know, India is the big market for us for uh, coking coal, uh, growing market for us in, in copper concentrates as, uh, as well. Uh, but of course, that's the direct demand out of India. Now, as India grows, right. it helps support overall global economic growth as well. So the flow-on effect of India is even more significant than, we, than it may appear at first blush in terms of direct sales. Uh, you're also spending Understood. no growth capital on coal, though, Mike. Mm. Uh, I, I want to stress, because you're, you're ramping up, as you mentioned, CapEx on copper, potash, nickel. Mm. Uh, are, is there enough potential in these commodities to pick up mm. the slack that's left by coal and in some ways left by, by iron ore, too? So, the, um, so if I start with iron ore, we, we do have growth plans in iron ore, initially through productivity, which is the single biggest value growth lever for the, for the company. We've spoken today about the intent to get iron ore to 305 uh, uh, million tons per annum. Uh, that's up from current levels and potentially even uh, higher levels uh, down the road. We have studies underway looking at the potential to get to 330 million tons per annum. Across in uh, coke and coal, we have said that given current circumstances there, with returns being impacted by higher royalties um, and risk having gone up, that we're not investing in growth capital. Over time, if that were to change, we do see opportunities ahead for um, uh, coke and coal um, out of Queensland, uh, but not for the time being. Um, we do, but that doesn't mean that we won't see higher sales or a weighting of sales towards India as demand picks up there. Uh, I believe you're selling very quickly, Mike, uh, some uh, coal assets in Queensland. How's that going? Uh, so process remains underway. Uh, part of our strategy in coke and coal is to concentrate the portfolio on the highest quality hard coke and coals because we believe that they stand to benefit from a faster decarbonizing world because they contribute to higher um, steel making uh, productivity. Uh, the sale of the Donya and Blackwater assets is in line with that strategy. We kicked that process off about six months ago and we're still in the middle of that, uh, of that process. Mike, let's see you in three months. Thank you so much for joining us, Mike Henry there, CEO, of course, at BHB. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.